joy. Should this have been the theme this evening? Joy. Stood yesterday in the village seminary, cemetery of New, Newtown, Connecticut, as Jimmy and Elba sat before us on a chairs and lowered their daughter into the grave. Joy. I'd like to suggest this evening that's exactly what we should be talking about this evening. And, and it comes from the hymn that, that uh, Isaac Watts wrote, Joy to the World, that we have heard recited this evening by children. I noticed today as I was looking at this Christmas carol that uh, there are two huge concepts and there's a response to each concept. In the first verse, Joy to the World, the Lord has come, is what is stated. And it's not till the third verse that we get to the answer why Jesus came. It says, He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. And then the second big concept is in verse 2, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. And again, I want to ask, why? Why does He reign? And we get the answer to that in verse 4. He rules the world with truth and grace. And so those are the things I'd like to just speak about for a moment this evening as we have a moment to think on, on, on Christmas Eve of the eternal Son of God. So, first of all, He has come to make His blessings known far as the curse is found. And secondly, He, he reigns so He can rule this earth with truth and grace. Do you see the important progression of those two concepts. First, Jesus comes, and He comes to replace in us all the things that have been robbed from us by Satan, by sin, by failure, by problems. He's going to give us blessing in the place of where there was cursing. He's going to put His blessing as far as the curse is found. How far has the curse of sin been found in your life? We could talk about that all evening. How far is the curse of sin felt in, in your own personal relationships, past, present? How far has the curse of sin affected your own view of yourself? How far has the curse of sin affected you that you can't forgive someone for something? How far has the curse of sin affected you that, that you cannot have assurance of what God has for you after you die? How far has the curse of sin affected all of creation? His death on the cross bore the curse of sin. And so all, to look, all who look to Him by faith are, are given this blessing as far as the curse of sin has been found in our lives. And He comes to make those blessings flow into us. And the second part, that His purpose is to reign in your life and mind so that he can rule with truth and grace. Jesus, it says of Jesus that in John 1.14 that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only full of grace and truth. That's what Jesus is full of. Grace and truth. And you see, he came to rule or to reign in our lives with grace and truth. And you might say, well, I don't, I don't need someone to rule my life. I'd like to rule my own life. That's what 
humanity's response to God has been is, God, I'm fine without you. If I really get into trouble, like my daughter dies, then, then I'll call you. But I'm fine. The fact is that humanity's not fine. We don't rule our lives with, with grace and truth. We need Jesus to rule our lives with, with grace and truth. For example, thinking about truth for a moment, we cannot lead our lives in truth, really. We're terrible at this. We humans are terrible at ruling, controlling, ordering our lives with truth. Only Jesus can do that. We cannot lead in truth because we are forever making excuses for ourselves about why the truth isn't being lived out in our lives. We're forever abdicating responsibility for our own failures and sins. That's not ordering your life with truth. We are forever spending our energies trying to protect our fragile little egos of things that, that are laying at its feet, trying to nurse our wounded feelings, dodging the bullets of blame lest they land on our, our sensitive pride. We are not good at living and ordering our lives with truth. And we were created to be ordered and ruled by truth. The truth will set you free, Jesus said. So we live double lives instead of singular lives. And, and we, pretty do much a, we do pretty much of a, a lousy job as well at ordering our lives with grace. We think we might be better at that side of things, but we're not, actually. We get so down on ourselves. We carry around a load of guilt and a load of shame for who we are or for what we've done or how we've been. We offer ourselves a, a shallow a shallow absolution from sin and failure, a little pat in the back, a little, a little poke to get keep going, but really, we are not being truly experiencing forgiveness and release from the prison of self-condemnation. We don't do well at ruling our lives with grace either. And so the double life continues. We can't forgive ourselves because, you see, forgiveness requires a redeemer, someone to purchase that. Jesus did that. And so if you want to know the joy that this carol is talking about, that Isaac Watts was talking about when he wrote it, if you want to know the joy, then you need to receive your king. You need to receive that joy so that he can remove the curse of sin as far as the curse is found in your life. And that he can then begin to order your life with truth and grace. C.S. Lewis wrote a book about his own conversion called it Surprised by Joy. It was in 1929 when he finally surrendered his life to Christ, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He had been fighting it for a long time. He writes about it in that book. He says, you must picture me alone in that room in Magdalen, Night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of Him whom, of whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. He's talking about God. He says, That which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In this term of 1929, I gave in. And I admitted that God was God, and I knelt and I prayed, perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. 
And I did not then see what is now the most shining and obvious thing, the divine humility which will accept a convert even on such terms. <laughs> Kicking and screaming like, like it was. He writes later on in the book, I know very well when but hardly how the final step for me was taken. He's talking about his conversion. I was driven to Whipsnade one sunny morning and when we set out from our location, I did not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when we reached the zoo we were going to, I did believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I had not exactly spent the journey in thought, nor in great emotion. Emotional is perhaps the last word we can apply to some of the most important events of our lives. It is more like when a man, after a long sleep, still lying motionless in bed, becomes aware that he is now awake. End of quote. And Lewis goes on to talk about conversions in such a wide plethora of ways of God getting a hold of our lives and waking us up to the reality of joy that is found in Jesus Christ. He says that some are like sharp and catastrophic conversions as in the case of St. Paul or Augustine, but some are very gradual like mine waking up. Maybe this Christmas, even this Christmas Eve, this evening, you will wake up to God. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you would mark this Christmas of 2012 as you're waking up to your Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth in the form of a baby, grew and died on the cross, and in that cross took the curse as far as it went to destroy your life. He took the curse upon his own body on that tree, and he died in your place. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this evening you would finally, like C.S. Lewis, stop fighting God? Stop making excuses for yourself. Start letting Jesus rule your life with grace and truth. Recognize that he came to this earth to deal with the, the curse of sin as far as it is found and replace it with the blessing of God. Your life can be changed because of the blessing of God if you'll receive Jesus Christ. Tonight could be the night for you. You could f finally one, one day turn and look at this evening and say to yourself, why didn't I do it sooner? Why did I resist him so long? Why did I not see that Jesus came to rever remove the curse of sin in my life? Why did I wait so long to see that he was asking to let him have the reins of my life and let him rule my life because I've been making such a mess of it. Why did I wait so long? That's the question that I ask you tonight. That if you would just even this evening say to God, God, I'm going to stop fighting you. God, I'm going to stop resisting you. God, I don't understand fully all about you, but I'm going to yield my life to you, Jesus Christ. I'm going to acknowledge that on the cross, you paid for my curse, my sin, and that because of your resurrection, all the blessing of God flows into my life. And from now on, you're going to rule. From now on, you call the shots. You lead my life in truth, and you lead my life in grace. Would you stand with me and let me pray with you? And if this evening, that sentiment that C.S. Lewis reflects in his book, Surprised by Joy, 
that I just reflected in my, uh, my message, if that sentiment is on you, you might want to pray like I'm going to pray right now. Let's pray. Oh, Father, our God, right now, this evening, in this moment of quiet, we just thank you for your son Jesus came to earth. God incarnate. What an incredible miracle. We thank you, God, our Father, that 2,000 years ago, this baby grew up to be the Son of God that died on the cross of Calvary and in his body bore our sin on that tree. And God, we thank you that even now for as many as received him, to those he has given the right to become children of God. This evening, Lord, would it be so wonderful would it be so much to your glory and to our good if some in this room right now would just say yes to you, Lord Jesus, and would say, I'm, I'm done resisting you. I'm going to receive Jesus Christ, and I'm going to let him rule in my life. I'm going to trust him for forgiveness, and I'm going to trust him for eternal life. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for anybody that's praying tonight in this way. And we thank you, O oh God, for the incredible reminder at this time of the year of little Anna's death and of how incredibly important it is to have eternity figured out. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to comfort Jimmy and Nelba and Isaiah. We ask you, O oh God, to comfort all who mourn. We ask you, O oh God, to come near to us and draw us into your courts that we might live for eternal things. And we commit our lives in a fresh way to you tonight. In this Christmas Eve, Lord Jesus, help us to be more aware of you than we have in any other Christmas before. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. You may be seated.